and uh, we'll read together Matthew uh, and chapter 4, a portion of, uh, of that uh, passage. But uh, we will read from verse 13. Matthew 4. Read from verse 13 to verse 23. I read from uh, the English Standard Version, Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, and downwards. The Bible reads as follows. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his uh, brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among other people. May the Lord again bless the reading of his word. Shall we turn to the Lord in prayer before we delve into the text that I will introduce to you in a moment? Let us pray together, please. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you that we can come to this occasion when we steal our hearts before you and seek to hear your voice. And as we do so, God, we are humbled at the very fact that you haven't left us without the witness. And therefore, God, we thank you for your word, and we want to thank you for the Holy Spirit, who indeed by his action upon us makes these words come alive again. And we would ask that today, this moment, in uh, these things that we do together, we may behold wondrous things from your word, and that for each one of us, you may cause us to see that which you want us to see, to hear that which you want us to hear. O oh God, and to cause 
that indeed uh, these things will indeed be light upon our hearts indeed uh, for the very blessing that we need from you. And so God, condescend, come and be with us here and bless this moment to our hearts. This we do pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning to all of you as we come together around uh, God's word this morning. I've read from uh, the book of Matthew. Now, if you know something about uh, the book of Matthew, you know that indeed it's uh, a gospel account of our Lord Jesus Christ bringing many this whole issue of discipleship, the ethics that we must have as, as Christians, and uh, the missionary enterprise of, uh, of the church. And it is within this context that we come to look at this uh, text that we will have. And remember, it comes just after chapter 3, uh, where we have an account of the Holy Spirit coming to rest on Jesus Christ, uh, his uh, baptism, and also uh, actually his uh, temptation. And now we come to the occasion where he begins his public ministry. And he begins in public his public ministry according to what we have uh, read in the region of uh, Galilee. But as we go on reading, we find that he settles in uh, Capernaum. And as he does so, and as he starts his public ministry, he calls uh, his disciples to come and uh, follow him. And so while he travels from place to place, he is with his people that he had called specifically to be his disciples, called in a special way to be those that would be near him as he proclaims the good news that the kingdom of heaven is near. And as he does so, he heals every kind of uh, disease. And so large crowds begin to draw uh, towards uh, him. Uh, but uh, the good thing all the while is uh, the fact of uh, Jesus Christ coming to do his ministry here on earth and actually that ministry uh, succeeding. It is in the context, therefore, of the beginning of Jesus' ministry that I draw your attention to the text that we are going to consider together, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to, to 20. We have only enough time this morning to look at verse 18 and uh, verse 19, and then in the evening we will look at uh, verse 20. And the Bible, if I may read this again, says, While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said, follow me. Sorry, he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And so we have, in particular, uh, verse uh, 19, a command 
But you notice that with this command, there is a promise that uh, Jesus uh, uh, gives, a commitment actually that Jesus gives uh, in response to these two who would therefore come uh, to him in, in, in this way. And actually you notice uh, that uh, they actually left and followed him. And uh, I want to immediately say that this, the success of your Christian life, your Christian walk, is how much you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, the success of any church is on the basis of how much that church follows the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if you are to gauge how well you are living your Christian life, that gauging must be on the basis of what you know about Jesus' requirements upon your own life and how, therefore, you have responded to all these things. And therefore, even the success of the disciples, the success of their response uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ was dependent on how they responded to the command that uh, was given uh, to them. And friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself, has given us matching orders for us to follow. And here is a comprehensive statement of uh, those things that Jesus Christ has given to us is follow me and I will make you fishers uh, of, of men. Granted, um, most of the time this text is used uh, in terms of those who answer God's call and those who want to work in full-time ministry. But in a sense, all of us have been called to the gospel call. And there is a way in which we all must respond. And that also for you, uh, wherever and whoever you are seated this morning, God is, is calling you. And I want us to notice four things from this text. And uh, the last of these in verse uh, 20, we shall reserve for later. But three things we shall see. And I want us to see in the first place, the setting that was prevailing at uh, this moment when Jesus Christ comes and calls Simon and, and Andrew, uh, his brother. I want you to notice the setting that was uh, prevailing. And it is this, and it is recorded for us in verse 18. It was while walking by the sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. That was the, the setting. Here, Jesus Christ on this day was walking along the sea of Galilee. And you notice how natural the whole setting was. Nothing spectacular was, was happening on this side. The spectacular was actually happening on the side of Jesus Christ. But to those that were around, Jesus Christ was walking uh, by the Sea of Galilee. 
And Jesus Christ traveled uh, along Judea, uh, which was in uh, the south, and uh, Samaria, which was in the middle, and in the north was, uh, was Galilee. And he said he traveled along uh, these places. But notice that uh, Galilee, in verse 15, says, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. Galilee of uh, the Gentiles. Galilee of Gentiles. And an immediate indication that the Lord had interest in Gentiles like us, even when he came to do his public ministry. Because there are people who say that Jesus Christ had no interest in the Gentiles. He had interest. He came to save, to seek and to save that which was uh, lost. So Galilee, when you read the gospel, especially the gospel of Matthew, Galilee was the venue of uh, a lot of activities that Jesus Christ uh, did. So on this side, at this moment, it was just by the Sea of Galilee, an ordinary place. But in Jesus' mind, this was going to be a place. This was going to be the vicinity, the region of great activity. Jesus Christ grew up in Nazareth, which is one of the two major cities in, 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 in Galilee. And uh, the text that we read in uh, verse 15 is actually uh, a confirmation of the prophecy concerning uh, this uh, land of, of Galilee. Because in Isaiah chapter 9, which is the quotation that we have here, it, the, there was a note that in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And now we have the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light for those dwelling in the region and shadow of, the, of death on them a great light has dawned. And Jesus, therefore, ministered in Capernaum, as we read in, uh, here, and also in uh, the regions around. John chapter 2 and verse 11 says this, that what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples. This was the first recording of uh, the miracles the many miracles that Jesus Christ was going to do. But here, it was the turning of water into wine at the wedding in Cana. And Cana is in the region of, uh, of Galilee. We read uh, in chapter 5, the great sermon on the mount. It happened in the region of, uh, of Galilee. Verse 23 and verse 24 uh, we, we see that it says he went throughout all Galilee teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread through all Syria and they brought to him all the sick and on and on. So 
Galilee, the region of Galilee, became very important. And actually, even uh, when he was taken up into glory, Acts chapter 1 uh, says to the disciples, I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ says to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? As they were looking and uh, seeing after the Lord had, uh, had gone. They were called men of Galilee when they sat waiting uh, for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were called men of Galilee. Acts chapter 13, uh, verse 30 and 31, it says, But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee, concerning these same men who were looking up into the sky who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his, who are now, uh, his witnesses to uh, the people. I've taken a uh, brief time to just say something about Galilee, to just show you one thing. And the thing is this, that uh, Galilee, an ordinary region, but descended upon by the presence of God the Son himself. And in a special way, did many things. So, wow, we can talk about the ordinariness of, of uh, this place on the side of heaven, on the divine side. God was earmarking the place for a special thing, for the work of the gospel. And therefore, God always takes a particular note when he wants to do special things and where he wants to do special things. And friends, I dare say that even now where we are seated, we have opened God's word and we are in the presence of God. And God would want to do a special thing upon you. And therefore, do not ignore these uh, simple movements that God makes upon yourself. Note also how ordinary this whole event was because the Bible says he saw two uh, brothers. He saw two brothers. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew. Friends, he saw. In other words, he is the one who initiated the things that Simon and Andrew were going to do the things that uh, Andrew and Simon were going to be. He is the one who initiated. It is when Jesus saw them. You remember also in John chapter 1, uh, verse 47 and 49, concerning uh, Nathanael's uh, calling, it says that when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, how do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. As the psalmist says, God knows when we go to sleep. He knows when we wake up. God knows us through and through. He knows what is going to happen tomorrow? He knows. He knows the very moment 
of what you are going to do just after the service. And he even knows how you're going to actually walk out and, and so on. He knows everything. And that's why Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36 would say, The Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. And Chronicles would say, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. And so the eyes of the Lord this morning are everywhere upon us. God is seeing all of us. And even the intents of our hearts, God is seeing. And so your very life is laid open before him. And everything about you is laid bare before him. You can indeed hide from all of us. You can hide from me. You can even hide from the person you are sitting next to. And indeed, you can hide from your parents. You can hide from your wife and even from your siblings, but you cannot hide from the Lord. He said to Nathaniel, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And in our text, it was while he was walking by, by the sea of Galilee. And uh, these two men completely oblivious to what was going on in Jesus' mind. But Jesus saw them. Dear friend, the good news to you today, and this is very good, is this, that Jesus sees you and that Jesus is looking upon you today. Who? whoever uh, you are. God sees, God hears, and God knows. Friends, notice that these men were ordinary men with ordinary vocations. They were fishermen. And at this stage, all they were doing was going on about their daily life. And their daily life was that they were fishermen. And these fishermen were actually casting a net into uh, the sea. And I said the good news is that Jesus sees you. But more than that, the good news is that Jesus knows you. You see, while they were on about their business, Jesus knew where to find them. There is every possibility, in fact, the evidence of the gospel is that Jesus Christ must have seen them before all this. But more than that, therefore, he knew them. And uh, Jesus Christ knew everything, even about their trade. And actually the emphasis of uh, the gospel account here is about what they were doing and who they were. They were casting a net into the sea for uh, they were fishermen. And uh, the Lord knew that at this stage they were casting a net into the sea. He knew 
that uh, their profession was that they were fishermen. Now, when you talk about fishermen, you are there for having a, a people who not indeed outstanding uh, in, in society, but also not uh, quite poor at that time. The Sea of, uh, of Galilee at that time was uh, a place of a lot of, uh, of trade. And that's what historians uh, tell us. And uh, although Luke says it is uh, a lake, it, and it is actually a, a lake, a massive uh, lake. A lake is one bound by land all around. The Sea of Galilee was more or less triangular shaped. If you look at the maps, that's what you see. But it was a place of a lot of trade. And so, something about this man was known to, to, to everybody. People who generally are engaged in the trade of uh, providing food, you get to know them. And uh, during these times, uh, fishermen were, were, were known. And uh, nothing recorded about uh, Simon Peter and Andrew about anything spectacular. Uh, we, are, we are not uh, told. So we can say they were ordinary folk. They were ordinary people, just like you and me. Ordinary people. But when we say ordinary, we always mean, therefore, that just like us, tainted with sin. An ordinary person is one who has come into this world, born into this world, as a sinner. And as a sinner through and through, separated from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, separated from God. And all of us, that's what we are until Jesus Christ calls us. So when we speak of ordinary, we are speaking of being human, and uh, being a human, being a man, a woman born into this world, you are born with sin. Until Jesus Christ looks at you, sees you, and calls you. And this is what he's doing to all of us this morning. All of us without exception, boys and girls, Men and women, all of us, Jesus Christ is looking upon us. But most importantly, Jesus Christ is going to say these words to us that he said to Simon and Andrew. Notwithstanding who we are, therefore. And as you sit this morning, notwithstanding what you have done, whether you have done great things or you are thought to do great things. Whether to you, you are an utterly sinful person and you feel the weight of sin upon your soul. And whether you feel you are a sinner, he is looking and he sees you. And whoever you are, I repeat, Jesus is seeing you. He is God the Son. And he saw Nathaniel. He saw Simon. He saw Andrew. Oh, he sees you today. And he sees you in your very nature. 
And therefore, for you to have any relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, you don't have to change your nature. You don't have to change who you are. You must remain the way you are and come to him the way you are. And he calls you the way you are. Oh, friends, this is the setting of what we have here in this aspect of Jesus Christ calling us to service to him. So therefore, notice the command that he gives. And this is a command that he gave to Simon and to Andrew. But, and this is what he gives to all of us this morning. Verse 19. He said to them, follow me. And this is what he says to us today. Follow me. He comes upon these men. To them, life is going on. They had plans about tomorrow. They had plans about tomorrow because, you see, they were casting their net into the sea. And as far as they were concerned, they must catch fish. And he sees them casting the net into the sea. And he sees that this same thing they are doing, they will do it for greater glory. They will be catching men. And he calls them. They were on to their episodes of life. He calls them. And he says, follow me. And when you hear these words and put the setting in place and you think about it and then you see that he comes to them and says follow me you notice immediately that this command required an action in the opposite direction immediately and Jesus Christ therefore was suggesting to them that they needed to turn around completely make a 180 degrees turn and the word that Jesus Christ uses here and the sense of uh, this uh, word, this proposition that you see is really about turning around. It's really about leaving everything uh, behind. The Greek uh, Bible scholars have said that it's the same sense, the same preposition that uh, the Lord uses in Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 18, and uh, where the Lord says, Let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his clock. And it's the same sense. And it's from the same road. Not to turn back to go for your clock. And also in Mark uh, 13, verse 16, the same sense about the one working in the field. And let the one who is in the field not to turn back to take his clock. And also in uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 62, where the Lord says, no one who puts his hands to the plow looks back is fit for the kingdom of uh, heaven. In fact, the, the NIV, uh, uh, in its paraphrase, it says, uh, the, it puts the word come uh, before follow me. It says, come 
follow me. And that sense, therefore, is this aspect of coming, and not just coming, but coming in an objective way and to follow an objective direction. It is to follow the Lord. And actually, when you look at this, especially when you consider what they did, that immediately they left their nets and followed him, the sense, therefore, has uh, this thing that is tied to it. It's the immediate turning around. It's the immediate turning around, leaving your former self, your former vocation, and going on into this objective direction of obeying the commands of uh, Jesus Christ. It is, follow me, he, he said. The me, the me here actually suggests that I will possess you. I will therefore make something of you. And hence, the following, I will make you fishers of men. Come, follow me. There is this very strong sense, therefore. There is this very strong sense. And true discipleship always has uh, this strong sense. That is what we are always called to. Isn't that what we read in Luke and uh, chapter 14, verse 26 and uh, 27? Here, the strong sense of being a true disciple of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ, where the Lord talks about the cost of discipleship. And this is as many crowds accompanied him he turned and said to them in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't bear his own cross and come after me, he cannot bear and he cannot be my disciple. Those of us who are Christians, do we measure ourselves against this? If anyone doesn't hate his own father, his own mother, those of you who are married, his own wife, those with children, your own children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. If anyone wishes to come after me, he would say in Matthew 15, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and uh, follow me. And this command, therefore, doesn't have a passive sense. It has an active sense. It is an obedience that he requires from us. And friends, Come, follow me, is very strong in all its perspectives. Very strong in everything that uh, is required uh, of us. And the best illustration of following Jesus is a shepherd with his uh, sheep. I remember watching something of uh, a shepherd and his sheep, he goes to the sheep pen and he whistles, this shepherd, and all the sheep suddenly, they come alive. They just 
Stand up. And he pulls one sheep. We are later to see that that is the lead sheep. And after he pulls it, he just starts walking out of the pen. And this sheep follows him. And the other sheep just, the other sheep just followed along. And they were going along. This sheep actually, I think, didn't know where he was taking them. All they knew was when he whistles, he pulls this one, we follow. And they follow. And as they were walking, he put his, uh, what do you call that stick? The staff. Eh? He puts his staff, the first sheep jumped over. And after that, he walked along. Do you know what happened? All the rest were jumping over that place. Jumping over, and lo and behold, it was because there were red ants that were passing. But do you see what happened? They all followed the dictates of the shepherd. He, he, he wanted us to jump here. They jumped. And that is what he wants us to be. That is what he wants us to be. It is that we follow him. When he turns right, we turn right. When he says turn left, we turn uh, left. The prophet would say, and would be told, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And we as Christians are those who walk in the statutes of God, who walk in accordance with his will. Oh dear friends, is that your testimony today? But look friends, that is what he wants you to be towards him. It is that you must follow him. He said to Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me. But you see, you notice the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If he had just ended up just being told, uh, follow me, you would say, Ah, something is not quite right. But also, I think it is a consideration of who he is. Friends, if, if when I finish my sermon and I say to all of you today, uh, now, follow me, you would say, he's gone crazy, this guy. He wants us to follow him. And if Jesus Christ was just a natural man like this and he comes to uh, Simon and Andrew, come follow me and they're casting their net into the sea to catch fish for their livelihood. And here is this man comes from nowhere and they hear, come follow me. Ah, friends. The narrative would have been different here. But listen, the narrative is this, because Jesus is God. Because Jesus had begun to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And even today, he is still the same. And I want you to consider this Jesus, 
This Jesus who comes to you and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That situation is still with us today. Repent, oh dear friend, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But notice the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives himself a great commitment and a great promise with this. He says, and I will make you fishers of men. Or he tells Andrew, or he tells uh, Simon, listen, this is what you're going to do and to be. I will make you fishers of men. You remember when we were considering the, the setting of all this event, we said he saw the two brothers and we noted that he is the one who initiates this whole movement. He is the one who initiates what Simon to be Peter later on and to have that profession and that confession made upon this I will build my church to have this Andrew become an apostle and others to ensure that indeed they were successful fishers of men. He is the one who initiates it. He is the one who initiates it. And that's why thirdly we do see his commitment and promise. He says, I will make you fishers of men. Many a time, especially young people, they, when, when you are sharing the gospel with them, and you tell them to turn away, to repent, and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You can see in their eyes, saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to be? What will my friends say? Oh, dear friends, here is an example. That is not for you to worry. That is for Jesus Christ to worry. Many a young disciple coming to the Lord still holds on to and gets entangled with the things of this world and wondering what is going to become of me. That is not for you to worry. He says, I will <coughs> make you fishers <coughs> of men. He says, I myself, I will do this. The zeal of the Lord accomplishes all that he has determined. They were catching fish for their livelihood. But notice also that they were not men of great honor uh, in their time. These men were already fishermen catching fish. But now Jesus Christ says there would be fishermen proper fishermen who catch men and women, they were going to be engaged in a trade, in a profession, in a business of very high order. They used to cast nets to catch fish, but now they are going to cast nets to catch men. So Christ came upon these men, busy at uh, their work all the while. And he saw them in their work. 
and as he saw them in their work, he also now sees them in the future, in the work, in the world, and the effect of their work spreading to actually the uttermost ends of the earth. And here we are in fulfillment of uh, that prophecy that was indeed given in Isaiah chapter 9, that indeed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, a great light would dawn upon a Gentile nation such as Zambia. And this is what we have. Because Jesus Christ made some men who were ordinary to be fishers of men. Charles Haddon Spurgeon would say this and I quote, Christ made founders of the churches out of peasants of Galilee. Peasants of Galilee became apostles. End of quote. That is exactly what Christ did uh, for, for these people. And when we are brought into the sight of God, when God has indeed seen us and actually sees us before we are even born, he sees your intents even before you came and sat here, and as he sees you, listen, dear friend, God wants to do great things through you. Women and men, boys and girls, hear me this morning. He wants to do great things through you. And he wants to start that work in you today. And therefore, come uh, to him. And as we read the process of following Jesus, we do know it is of self-denial. We read, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And whoever wants to uh, save his life, indeed, he will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he will save it. For what does it profit for a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And yet there is great profit when your soul is not lost. When you come and you come to him and be like uh, Peter and, and Andrew. And here we can add James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in the boat with their brother. They were mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat, and they left their father. And they left their father. So, friends, he wants to create something great of you. He says, I will make you fishers of men, he said to uh, uh, to Simon and Andrew. And he says the same to you this morning. I will make you. The Apostle Paul says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and uh, 18, that if anyone he is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And here it is, friends, Jesus Christ wants to create a new out of the old of you and indeed to send you into this work of the ministry of uh, reconciliation. 
Friends, say with the Apostle Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are indeed crucified with uh, Christ. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, the text we looked at uh, a while back from this uh, uh, pulpit, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Do you notice, therefore, friend, that you've got nothing to worry about in, when it comes to thinking about following Christ? Read his word. Know his word. And when you have come to know God's requirement upon your life, follow what he says to you. Don't worry about what we will follow uh, later. For it is God, the Apostle Paul would say in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do and to work for his good pleasure. So he makes you willing, as the psalmist said, in the day of his power. But he also makes you not only to will, but he makes you to be able to do. Because he changes you around. And that is the full intent of everything that indeed uh, Jesus wants to do in your life. And Revelation, as we come and behold the new heaven and the new earth, would say, Behold, I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. And this is what the prophet Isaiah actually saw. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy, her people to be a gladness. And therefore, friends, don't worry much, because even the ultimate end, the ultimate end is that indeed Jesus will make something of you. So let us sing together with the children. When they play the game, follow, follow, follow. Follow the leader. Have you played that game before? When the first one jumps, you all jump. Follow, follow, follow the leader. As Jesus Christ jumps you from your old life, follow him into the new life. So follow and follow and follow the leader. We'll sing shortly. I will follow wherever he leads me. Oh, mean those words when we sing them together in unison. I must come to a close. And all the while, I'm basically saying, Jesus is committed to you. Have you seen this from what we have seen in, in our text? That he sees you. He knows 
the very compass of your entire life from first to life. And now he comes and says, whatever your name is, he calls you and he says, come, follow me. And that's what he wants you to do. There is real joy. And this is what Isaiah saw. That indeed, the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. Be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. But that which he creates is the new you. So come and uh, follow him. Behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people, which will include you if you come and follow him, a people to be a gladness. What a joy. What a blessing will be ours in that glorious heaven where we will be. But, oh, friends, whatever you will go through here on, on earth, troubles and tribulations are nothing compared to the joy that awaits us. But also, in terms of our service to him, he fits us for service. I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. We will see in greater detail what he, see, he says here in the evening service. But notice, if we can just note it immediately, that immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, our text says, he saw two other brothers, James the sons of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left boat, they left their father, and they followed him. What are you holding on to today? What are you holding on to? What is making you fail to come to the Lord Jesus Christ? What is making you fail to come? This thing that you hold on to will pay for nothing on the last day. Those of us who are believers, it's the same question. He has made us fit for service to him. Why do we fail to follow him? Why do we fail to serve him? Oh, friends, he calls us to himself. May we also immediately, immediately, indeed go in the direction he wants us to go. And as you do so, and as you resolve that in your heart, may God bless you. Please bow your heads with me as we pray together. Our Father in heaven, grant us your grace indeed that we may truly be after all these things. But we thank you, O oh God, that you are the one who initiates this work of grace in our hearts, 
and you are the one who sustains it, and you are the one who provides for it. And we thank you, O God, that indeed this you are committed to. And therefore, grant that this morning each one of us may respond appropriately to you. And therefore, bless this your word to our hearts this morning. Because we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.